0: The project. Kuwait. Learn. Live. Learn. 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 Learn.
1: Learn. Now we're talking today about cancer and thyroid cancer in particular with a thyroid cancer survivor. It's something cancer in general that affects pretty much everybody. I mean, we all know somebody who's gone through it, you know maybe you've gone through it yourself. So in today's episode we talk a lot about some of the warning signs, the you know process of, of working with doctors, questions to be asking resources that can be available and just the emotional support that it goes you know into the into the recovery process.
0: It was an amazing episode. I mean Hedda went really deep on a lot of topics and really put it in a full descriptive picture for the listeners. And it's truly an emotional episode for me. And I guess a lot of people that have had to deal with this in their lives. And, you know, it's something that we all need to know about and, you know, just educate ourselves on a little bit more.
1: The timing of it for me personally is very helpful. Um, just having a family member recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And I know that Hila is your your family. And so I think it's a, a great time that we got to get together and, and get a little insight and support for for one another on um, health and nutrition and fitness and and everything that goes into social support of family.
0: Yep, so sit back and enjoy, everybody. All right, thank you. All this and more in today's episode. And welcome to The Project, everybody. Meg joining us from the States, and we have a very special guest today, someone that I could actually say is probably like one of my heroes in life, Hala Mahroos. She is a thyroid cancer survivor, and she's going to tell us her story today and hopefully give us some insight. And, you know, yeah, Meg.
1: No, yeah, I think this is going to be a great episode. I recently had a breast cancer scare in my family. And so I think it's just a good little awareness episode that we can we can bring up talking about, um, you know, just health and, and what's that like in the discovery process and healing process and and maybe support that, um, you know, if someone has someone in the family with cancer, the support that uh, they can be offering to someone. So... Yeah, I'm excited to for you to share your story with us. So thank you.
2: Thank you for having me on the show. I'm very nervous and I don't know how this works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's cool. I mean, let's start from the beginning of when I guess you found out. Like what were some of the, the signs that led you to go to the doctor's office in the first place?
2: Okay. So this is the first time I actually talk about this. I can say the full story. So it's really weird. That's yeah. fine. Take your time. Basically, I felt something weird in my throat from, let's say, October, but I was busy studying for an exam and there was work and there's just a lot going on. So I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, maybe my tonsils are swollen or anything like that. And I'd ask people at work, you know, like, can you feel this? Like, does it feel weird? And they're like, oh yeah, I had this, you know, when I was younger, my tonsils. And it's like, okay, great. And then in January, I think, or December, no, I was having dinner at my grandma's house and we're a lot of people sitting at a table. And I remember my aunt was sitting like quite far and she all of a sudden like screams and she's like, oh my God, what's coming out of your neck? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Like I, there's nothing coming out of my neck. But apparently it was big enough for her to see from that far. My aunt's always like at doctors and checking everything's okay. And so she's very, let's say, aware of these things. So anyway, so I go to a doctor. That's my friend. He checks in. The first thing he asks is, does it hurt? I was like, no, it doesn't hurt. It's fine. Apparently, that's not a very good answer. It should hurt mm. because if it hurts, then it's fine. It could be an infection. It could be, you know, like swollen. It could be something that, you know, you can be given medication for. But if you say it doesn't hurt and it's a big swelling, let's call it, then yeah. it's most likely a tumor of some sort. Okay. So he's like, just go get it checked. I would recommend you go and get it checked as soon as possible. I didn't take it very seriously. Like I was like, okay, but like, you know, nothing's going to happen to anyone. Like it's, I didn't think cancer or anything like that. I waited a month and then I couldn't breathe properly when I sleep. So I'd have to put like five pillows under my head to actually properly breathe. Something was blocking me. And that's when I was like, okay, something's not right. Maybe it's time to go to a doctor. So we, I went with my mom to an ENT and, um... He checked my neck. He said, you need to get an ultrasound so we can have a better idea. So I said, okay, that's fine. So I go, I do the ultrasound. I come back up. And it was it's really fast in that clinic, which was actually good because, you know, things in Kuwait, sometimes they can be like, go for three days, come back. We'll talk about it then. (laughs) So that was convenient. We go back in and he's like, okay. He looks at me and he asks if my mom can step out. My mom, Mehdi knows my mom. Obviously, my she mom wasn't going. It. She wasn't going like, anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Like, that is not <laughs> <What> happening. <laughs> you you to me? Yeah. So oh no. she just kind of looks at him and ignores basically that you know he even yeah. asked for that. So he's like, "Look, there's a big lump, but we don't know what it is. We can't tell just from an ultrasound. So I want you to go to KCC, Kuwait Cancer Center." He actually said meki So in Kuwait, when you hear meki you know that's the Kuwait Cancer Center right away. Okay. So immediately when he said, I want you to go to meki it to get a biopsy. Only words I heard was meki biopsy. Those are the three words that kind of like stood out. And I'm not much of a crier. So when he said that, I just like just tears started coming down because I couldn't understand why is he saying that to me? Like he shouldn't be saying that. I should just go home, take some medicine and we're good. I was like, why? And, you know, I just kept asking, why? What do you see? Why? And he said, he kept saying the same thing. Like, we can't tell. We need a biopsy to actually tell if it's benign or not. Right. So everything happened fast after that. We went back home. I didn't want to tell my husband that I had to go to Mekijama because that's where his father passed away. Okay. So I, and I knew since the day his dad passed away, he's never been back there. And I didn't want to bring that up at all. So I. I didn't mention that I have to go there. I kind of said the name of the hospital right next to it, which is, which wasn't a lie to be fair. It was not a lie. That's where they do the biopsies. So we took an appointment. We went, we tried to get like the name of a doctor that can help us because you get quite lost. Like you're not sure, you know, where do I go for an appointment or where do I start? You know? Right. So we were lucky. We got the biopsy done. I got my first panic attack that day because it's just like the, the way it feels when they prick your neck is just very, I don't know, it's queasy, like this really ugh feeling. And then I went to work right after I got the biopsy done. I was no like, way. <laughs> I was like, we have a field trip today and I really need to go. So I'm going Are you, straight to a work. Teacher? I'm a behavior therapist and I worked in a okay. center for kids with special needs.
1: Ah, that's like what I used to do. Oh, no way.
2: So I went straight to work. I had like the big plaster on my neck and I was like, what's wrong? So I'm like, no, we're good. We're good. Let's continue. Everything's fine. We're good. I'm the type of person that it's kind of, I don't like these things to stop me. If anything, it just pushes me to prove that everything is okay. And we're just going to keep going. Like that's the way it's going to be. The results came out that it is cancer. Actually, the results came out and they said they're not sure. They're not 100% sure what it is. So it's best to just remove it. And then once they remove the whole thing, then they're able to tell exactly if it's cancer for sure or not. So I had basically a 4.5 centimeter tumor on my right side or my left side. I can't remember. It was on one side. And there was a doctor that's a visiting doctor from France. So I met with him and we agreed that we're removing my full thyroid oh, because wow. it's easier for doctors later on to manage your thyroid medication. If you remove the full thyroid rather than remove half of it, because what happens is if you remove half, they're always not sure, you know, how much of it is functioning. So what's your TSH level? And then you get into the T4 and all these other different things that they ask you to know. Basically, I asked that the whole thing gets removed based on recommendations that I had. My family wanted to send me to the States, to London, to, I don't know, Lebanon, all these different places. But for me, what was more important was the psychological part of it. And I knew I wanted to stay in Kuwait because if I'm around my family and my friends, then I will, I will be a lot stronger. I know that I can push through it. It didn't matter how fancy the hospital looked because you know how government hospitals look in Kuwait.
3: Um, <laughs>
2: they're great. Um, Sometimes more more traumatic than the medical oh, thing that you're yeah.
3: going
2: through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me. Um, so I didn't want to travel and I didn't want to waste time. I don't want to live right. with it for any longer. I just wanted them to remove it and for me to move on from that point. Right. So I disagreed with everybody and I said, no, we're staying here. I'm doing it in Makijama and I'm finding the closest time possible and that's it. And then it will be done and we're good. Anyways, so we go to do the operation. Like I said, the psychological aspect is very important. So made sure I got my pretty purple bed sheets and I changed the bed there.
3: <laughs>
2: I put all my stuff out to make it very cozy for me. And yeah, it was my first time ever to have an operation. So I didn't know what to expect. Wow. I was really anxious. Right. So we did the operation. I think I went to the bathroom before they took me out like I don't know, 30 times in like about 5 minutes just because Was that just uh, a nervous
1: thing or was yeah, that like I was really Okay. Scared. Okay. So I just kept yeah. saying one
2: more time. No, just one more time. I need to go. And then uh it was fine like the operation itself You don't feel anything at all. You go in. I mean, for me, I didn't know what to expect. Like I said, it was my first time to do an operation. So I wasn't sure. It was like the movies, like Grey's Anatomy. You know, you get wheeled in and like all these (laughs) lights are on you. And and then I remember the doctor that put me to sleep was really nice. He's like, just start counting. You're okay. You know, you're fine. Because I was crying at that point. The next thing I knew, I was done. Like, I wasn't in the operation room anymore. Everything was finished. I read a lot about what is going to happen after the operation. So I made sure that I had things like a whiteboard, a notebook, because you you might or you might not lose your voice. Right. Um. And they check, you know, they check your vocal cords. They check, I don't know, there's different checks I had to do. So anyways, after the operation, I lost my voice for like two weeks. And I'd have like a notepad to write everything down or a whiteboard to just, you know, yes, no, whatever it is. It was interesting communicating with people like that. Everyone wanted to read the notebook to see what other people wrote because people started writing to me rather than talking to me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: you didn't lose your voice. Yeah.
2: Oh, my <laughs> I'm like, I lost my voice, not you. It's like a little diary of the it, whole process. Exactly. <laughs> and during that time, I have a five-year-old daughter. At the time, how old was she?
0: She was was two or three. Three?
2: I think so, like two and a
0: half. Yeah, two and a half, almost three.
2: Something like that. Uh, So she, it was so cute. I had a band-aid on my neck and she wanted a band-aid just like mommy on her neck. And that would break my heart. But like, I'd have to give her a band-aid on her neck. Because, you know, how am I going to explain to her, you know? No, you really don't want that band-aid on your neck. (laughs) You want to take that off. Something interesting that happened was that when I came out of the operation and the doctor came to check on me, they didn't do what we agreed on. I said, I want a full thyroidectomy, so they're supposed to remove my full thyroid. He decided in there that I was too young to lose, I don't know, the full thyroid for some reason. So he decided he's just removing one side. Okay. And when he came to... It's kind to, of
1: like, just for people who don't really know, it's kind of like a, a butterfly shape. Yes, yeah,
2: exactly. Okay. Exactly. They, okay. they call it the butterfly. And that's the sign for apparently September's thyroid cancer month, uh, thyroid awareness okay. uh, month. And okay. uh, it is, yeah, it's like a butterfly. And if you remove, he, he removed okay. one side. So I was really upset and I didn't have my voice. And I just, I couldn't understand why did he do that? Because I thought, we're done. You know, like you removed the whole thing. So then I knew we're going to have to go back in and remove the other side if they find out that it is cancer because it could be on the other side as well. And mm-hmm. they check your lymph nodes. They check everything. So they took... Did they take <laughs> lymph nodes out of your neck as well? No. Thankfully, it no. hadn't spread to my lymph nodes. So they checked. It didn't okay. spread to there. Okay. But when they did check it, because remember, they, they weren't sure if it was uh, cancer or not. When they did check it, it was cancer and i'm like okay. okay so now we have to have another operation to remove the other side because they ha- they couldn't f- tell me for sure if it was on the other side or not so it was i was very frustrated with that cuz i wanted to close that chapter and i couldn't You're right so anyways he's I a- mean
1: looking sorry just real quick like i mean knowing like now everything that you you do and stuff is it necessary i guess that they wouldn't know or are there ways that they know now, like if it would have spread to both sides, like going in and seeing that rather than having to like take one side or, you know, kind of like guess and (laughs) and do again. Or is there, I mean, or is that just like the process? That's just how it, how it goes.
2: They have, I can't remember the name. They, they called it something with an H when they're not sure of what it is, if it's benign or not. I honestly can't remember what they call it. But they said that my biopsy, for some reason, was really... It was really hard for them to figure out. Like, they had to send it to, I don't know, some consultant somewhere else. and Because the patient's never allowed to hold their sample in their hand, their file sample. But because the hospital didn't have any drivers at the time, they were not able to send the wait, samples. are you kidding me? I swear wait, to Wait, they had no drivers? The, something like all the drivers were gone or you have to wait a week or something until the driver comes back or two days or something really weird. So the doctor's like, look, I'm going to give you this because I know that I guess he knows that I wanted to finish faster. I don't know why he gave it to me, but he did trust me with the sample. He's like, no one can know, which now
3: everyone knows. <laughs> right, right,
2: Well, <Mom. laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows now.
3: <laughs>
2: he gave me the sample and he's like, you go straight to this consultant and... Yeah. Whatever hospital, I won't say the hospital name, but apparently this guy, this consultant is amazing and any weird samples or whatever they call them, they always send it to him. So instead of waiting for a driver to take it to him, me and my mom went and had to find that consultant and walk around with my sample and ask, do you know where I don't know Dr. Blah Blah is and uh, i wow. gave it to him and he even even he was surprised cuz he's like how did they give you the sample i was like because i need to know you know right. like we need to get this done so yeah so i i'm not I'm not sure. Like, maybe there is some people that when they do the biopsy, they can immediately tell. I don't know if it right. was I'm just. Sure, it's a
3: very
1: individualized. Yeah, um,
2: like um, I I've, yeah. I've had people contact me and tell me that they went through the same thing as well. And is that normal? And I was like, yes, it's completely normal. They need to do the whole operation because I did post it on my Instagram. I shared the story because I thought that when it happened to me, there wasn't a lot of people that I could ask. And I nice. type in like hashtags. I'd want to, you know, like I was trying to find someone I can ask like, you know, what's the process? Like, what did you agree to? Did you say, okay, remove only right. half? Or, you know, you want to know someone that went through it rather than just a doctor that is operating right. and doing this. Absolutely. So I, I mentioned what was happening to me and I was very happy that a lot of people did approach me and I was able to help people because, you know, someone close to them was confused or they didn't know where to go or what to do. Uh, something right. that I was very, very scared of was, um, chronic fatigue. So if you remove yeah. your thyroid, you can get chronic fatigue, which is what freaked me out. Cause I'm like, how am I going to play with my daughter? You know, I don't want to also have, um, Hypothyroidism, which you can't—you're always tired, you're always lazy, and it's actually very common in the Middle East among amongst women. Like I don't know, seventy. Yeah, apparently, seventy percent of women can uh, have it, and you just feel very, very lazy.
1: do You know why? Why is is it common?
2: I, I, yeah, no clue. Like I just started reading about all these things, but the cause—I don't know why it's very widespread uh, in this side of the world.
0: Is it yeah. just recent or is it, is, it, does it, is it backdated to like the 90s and 80s or is it just like the, over the last 10 years?
2: I don't know for sure. I don't want to say yes.
0: I mean, because I've always had a big speculation of the environmental changes that took place in Kuwait after the Gulf War and what right. it's done to a lot of people. Because I've known in the last five years alone, I've known a lot of people that have had cancerous tumors and a lot of them came from the same area.
2: That's what that was the scary. That's what one this amazing doctor that I got in touch with. He actually said that he did say. So the first thing they ask you is, "Have you had thyroid cancer in your family?" I'm like, "No." Said, "Okay." Then the only other cause is that you were exposed to a lot of radioactive waves. So you had a lot of X-rays done, and I was like, "No, none of that." He's like, okay. He's like, this is not one of the regular questions. He's like, but I'm asking for me because I've been asking this recently as we've had a lot of cases of women your age that have gotten thyroid cancer, which is not common amongst young women. He's like, were you here during the, the Gulf War? And I was like, yeah, I was here throughout the whole Gulf War. Wow. He's like, I'm finding that a lot of people that stayed here during the Gulf War, they are getting thyroid cancer. Really? Yeah holy shit yeah so he was like um he was very interested to know uh more about it because he's seeing the link basically right so yeah so i was scared after the operation that i will get very tired and you know they tell you adjusting the medication is hard and people that i started speaking to that had removed their thyroid they also started to suffer from you know the process of adjusting the medication because you go through all these like symptoms like laziness or um, your appetite gets bigger, smaller. Everyone was very different. Like you'd read well, on the thyroid,
1: just controls all those hormones everything. in so many different ways. So, yeah, yeah, the symptoms are very, very widespread, I guess, as far as like metabolism and anything that hormones exactly.
2: It controls your metabolism, it controls everything. Yeah,
0: yeah we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to the metabolism and like the way you used to work out yeah. and not sweat, which I think was amazing.
2: Um, and I was scared to gain a lot of weight because, right, you know, if your metabolism's not working, you're gonna just get bigger and bigger, basically. So that's when I, I had a trainer before that, before I, I found out about the tumor. And my main objective then was to lose weight. I just wanted to lose weight. And it'd be very hard for me to lose weight. And Mehdi knows it's extremely difficult for me to lose it, weight. It was
0: very tough training her because I'd sit there and I'd, you know, I'd be given her and Tala like these workouts and she's not breaking a sweat and i'm like why are you not sweating but how are I you don't not sweating sweat that it was, easily it, it but boggled did you feel me.
1: did you feel tired did you have the chronic fatigue did you have no like- this is
2: this is before before all of that oh, okay. before the operation and
0: Oh, okay. No, it okay. was post-operation. It was post. Oh, yeah, post. yeah, yeah. When it, you was trained me, it was because post-operation because that's when you were really, you were struggling yeah. during that time. So you were doing two-a-days, 6 a.m., and then at night, and then decided God. to tell me two weeks later that she was doing two-a-days or three weeks later.
2: Three, three, I was doing, I had the trainer come three times a week at 6 a.m., and then we decided to train with you in the afternoon, which wasn't a great idea.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. He
2: gets so angry because yeah. I don't sweat, but I don't sweat. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do. So he just Is, increase... that a Is that
1: a result of the
2: thyroid? No, I like... don't think so. No,
0: her mother doesn't sweat either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's something genetic that's going on over there. He just
2: wasn't convinced. And he'd like increase burpees and increase I don't know what. And, and it's not in, my I, fault. I
0: wasn't convinced in the effort level. I was like, some, I'm doing the <laughs> wrong tired. <laughs> Uh
2: But so,
1: sorry. So going back, you had half of it removed. And then you guys had the, the sample taken to the specialist, the consultant. Yeah. And, and then what did he…
2: And then he confirmed it's cancer. Like that. at that okay. point, it was confirmed it's cancer. Okay. And I wanted the other half removed. Even though okay. um, like one it doctor… Yeah, they don't know. They, that's the thing okay. that when I asked them, they can't answer that question 100%. They okay. They're like, we'll okay. wait and see. And I don't, I don't like, we'll wait and see. I wanted wait until it develops cancer. Yeah. Like <laughs> we'll wait and see if your, if your uh, blood tests come. Cause every three months I'd have to do a checkup. So if anything okay. shows up in my blood test, then they'll go back in and they okay. will remove okay. the other half. So I didn't like okay. that answer. I was like, no, we're removing it and I'm moving on from, you know, This whole like being scared, like, oh my God, is it going to come again? Am I okay? Am I not okay? I took my results and my papers to doctors in the States. Uh, I have a friend of mine in France who's actually an ENT and he's amazing. He was very, very supportive. I sent him my papers and everybody said the same thing. Just go ahead and remove it so you're not constantly worried that there is something, you know, still there. So I scheduled, so in February, I did my first operation. In September, they removed the second part. Uh, I had to wait that long because the doctor do- is not always in the country.
1: Okay.
2: Um, and during that time, I got the trainer and I'd work out, but I changed my, I changed the reason of why I wanted to work out to, I just wanted to be healthy. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I'm not lazy. I'm doing something to make sure that I'm not going to, be tired, I'm um, doing something for me, for my body. It wasn't anymore for me to lose weight. Like I didn't care at that point. I wanted to lose weight. I would have liked to, but right. it wasn't my main focus uh, anymore.
1: More of that perspective that you get of just having your health threatened in that yes. way of like, I need to do everything that I can to take care of myself exactly. all around. Yeah. yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly. Like you just realize, you know, your health, without your health, you cannot do anything. And it's not about losing weight or not. It's just, you know, it's just to make sure that you can play with your kid. You can go to work. You can do everything alone. You don't have to like constantly take naps or rest or whatever it is, Uh, which is something that I heard from a lot of people that remove their thyroid. Like it was hard for them to adjust their medication level because after you remove your thyroid, you have to take medicine every day in the morning.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and depending on your blood test you need to adjust it to more or less uh, they start you off with a, a high dosage to make sure that they're suppressing any uh, thyroid hormones that are still in your body so that okay. they don't develop into anything and then they slowly decrease it because it can affect your kidney or your liver I'm, I'm not sure which one it was so is this a
1: lifelong thing then you yes. you have to take medication for the rest of your life um, yeah
2: you should take okay. it early in the morning. You should wait a minimum of one hour before you eat anything at all, drink or eat anything. And you have to, in the beginning, every three months, you'd have to do your checkups. And then I call it, you get upgraded to every six months, you have to do your checkups. <laughs> and then every once a year. So wow. I've been upgraded to six months and I was very, very happy at that time.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Right. So after they removed the second half, you I had to uh, take um, radioactive iodine. Okay. And before you take the radioactive iodine, which basically just kills any thyroid hormone or cancerous hormone or whatever it is still there in your body that they have Is it a tablet removed, or is it a... It, you know, my friend asked me the other day, she's like, was it a tablet or was it a drink? I was like, all I remember was the guy giving it to me. He was covered... And you know when they go to a beehive, to remove a beehive, and they wear like right, that. Right. Oh,
0: so they were oh, like, full radioactive that that Yeah. Oh my God. And wow. I was yeah.
2: so, I was just looking at him like, you won't even touch that and you want me to put it in my body? Like, are you serious? Right. And he's like, yes, right. ma'am. And he won't even stand in the same room as me. So when I came to do the radioactive iodine, first, before you take it, you have to go on a diet for three weeks of low sodium. And you can't like, you have to follow that diet or else taking the iodine... What does the
1: sodium do?
2: The sodium, basically, if you have... Hold on. I know I'm going to say it the opposite way. If you have low sodium, you attract... What is it? They want the iodine to catch on to any thyroid hormone. So I think...
1: The sodium receptors probably interfere with that. So,
2: yeah. Like you, yeah. you can't have sodium for that reason. Not okay. great at explaining things on the spot as you can see, but I'm trying. To. <laughs> You're fine. You're
1: fine. You're fine.
2: Um and so we had to go to the Jamia to the supermarket. Like I learned a lot during that time. Like bread has sodium in it, toast, all kinds of bread, kinds of like even milk or just the only thing I was able to eat for breakfast was rice cakes and a certain type of rice cake because other rice cakes have salt in them, but this one didn't. And, uh, jam I can have tea was fine. I mean, could you,
1: could you eat like eggs and fruits and vegetables and like whole foods?
2: I, I think vegetables were fine. Yeah. Like I literally had to check like, every single thing that I would eat.
1: Right. Was there concern about eating like meat and? And I like don't that, think or? I
2: could eat meat I don't think meat was allowed They give you like a whole list of things that you can eat And you can't eat I, curiosity. Okay. I want to check the things that I can eat, and can't eat But I remember like I learned a lot of You know A lot of things that have salt That you don't even realize And mm. I was very strict about the diet Very very strict Because I wanted to make sure when I go They tell me okay You can take the iodine right now Because they can possibly tell you no Yeah, so when I went back, I got really angry because the doctor was like, oh, you forgot to do like this one test or she forgot to give me a paper. I can't remember what it was. So we're going to have to wait two weeks. Oh, it was a pregnancy test. She forgot to give me Mm. a paper for a pregnancy test. So we can't give you the iodine. So we're going to have to wait another six weeks. And I had followed this diet religiously. Right. That's when I just like, I broke down. At the hospital, and I was like, No, you're giving it to me today because you told me I'm going to take it today. And I can't be around my daughter for like two weeks because they get scared that little kids, they have small thyroid. So if I take the iodine, the radioactive iodine, it can affect her. So I shouldn't get close to her. And I can't, I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah. And I can't sleep next to my husband. I can't uh, get close to anyone in my family. I can't hug anyone. I should be isolated because
1: you talk so much about like, You know, you didn't want to travel because you wanted to be close to family. You wanted that, you know, that social support and, you know, the motivation of being able to play with your kid and be around your kid and to not have that. How long is that the process then after you get the the iodine? How long? Uh,
2: I said for two weeks that I didn't go to my grandma's. I didn't see I didn't see anyone. I was we had um, we were in an apartment where luckily there was a guest bedroom. And Mm -hmm. it was far away from the side that had my daughter's room and uh, my bedroom. So my husband would be in our bedroom, but I was in the guest room that had its own bathroom as well. So it was important that I don't use the same bathroom as anyone else because you're flushing out the iodine. Right. So when you flush, like it's best to flush twice. The towel that you use after those two weeks, throw it away. The soap that you use, throw it away. I didn't realize all wow, that. Wow. Yeah. That's
0: insane. That's you, like, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Like,
2: yeah. Like you just feel like, and no one can come near you. Even when, uh, like my husband would come home, you know, I, we talk behind the wall. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, <Yeah. laughs> how was your day? Great. How's yours? That's so,
0: that's so overwhelming though. Wow. Like, that's so, I
2: think that part got to me the most because throughout right. the year, I'm just like, okay, you know, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. But that part kind of hit me like, oh, you know, there's something wrong. Like it took a year for me to realize. But that's when I was Mm. like, okay. I couldn't go to work, obviously, because I work with children. And even when I did go back to work, I didn't want to immediately be around the kids because I just felt like it's wrong. It's it's not right. So I'd stay in my office. If we have meetings, I'd make the girls sit really far away from me (laughs) just in case. I like to be extra cautious. So that's after the iodine, after I took the radioactive iodine. And then the final, final thing that they do is they do, I think it's it's an MRI. They they do a full body scan for you. They do a mammogram for you and they do a full okay. body scan for you. Or you go into this machine and the machine comes super close to your face. And they even tell you like, don't freak out. It's going to come yeah. really close to your face because we have to take a good picture of your thyroid.
1: Thyroid, yeah.
2: So don't get scared. Like don't blink, don't do anything, but literally all you see is like this machine that's gonna slam down onto your face. Yeah. So um they do that. And once the results from that come out, then like you're good. You're done. You can mark, you know, that as the last step of the whole right. thyroid cancer process. Like People say it's never done because you always have to check your medication. You have to. But for me, that was it with that hospital, you know, like checking my medication. I can go to an endocrinologist and yeah, and, and he can he can do that. I don't have to go there anymore. So that was the final step for that. So, yeah, it was a year long journey. I mean, it's not. They always tell you thyroid cancer is the best of the cancers that you can get. But I
0: don't think any cancer is the best of the cancer. Exactly. Like that's like no, like,
2: I've heard that about a lot of like, I mean, they
1: took my, said my stepmom was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And, you know, they said that as well. You know, like what she got is their level or where it was and things like that. It's like, it's, if you could have a cancer, this is the best one to have. And then I know my friend, her parents, you know, had, you know, lymphoma issues. And it's like someone had told her that too. And I'm
2: just like. This can't be. Yeah, I (laughs) hate it that it. Like, this can't be. It just, I know they, I know they have, people have good intentions. And I know the doctors are trying to tell, you know, like, you know, don't worry, it's good. But just telling someone that they have cancer and then saying, but don't worry, it's the best cancer. Okay, (laughs) great. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? You can say like, okay, we can, the process will be faster or whatever it is. There is some people right. that have to do chemotherapy. There's some people that have to take radioactive iodine more than once or an extremely right. high dose where. Well, cancer
0: is run in your family. I mean, your grandmother had breast cancer. Breast cancer. cancer. Yeah.
2: My great grandma had a very large tumor in her head. Yeah, we do have cancer in the family, but not thyroid cancer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't figure
2: that yeah. one out. It's very right. special. But yeah, it was a very interesting journey.
0: So going 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 back to, I mean, how was it for chemo? I mean, how how was he holding up? Because um, you know of, of the history with it, like how did that go?
2: Sorry, with, this is with your husband. <laughs> yes. Yeah, her yes. husband is okay. is chemo. Yeah. His real name is Kareem, but we never call okay. him. Up. He's going to okay.
0: hear this. Most likely, yeah, he'll probably he'll probably <laughs> listen to. It. We all we all know he's going to listen to, it. but I mean, you know, this it's it's. I mean, if you don't want to share certain things, that is completely fine. You know, we're just, we're, we're trying to give, shed light to people, you know, shed light now, on a I subject mean, that's not, that's rarely talked about.
2: In the beginning, it was very hard for him. And chemo's the type that shuts down when he's very upset. Doesn't talk okay. much. Yeah. And I remember he got really angry and he never goes on Facebook, never goes on Facebook. But for some weird reason, the day that we found out, he decided to go on Facebook and write just one comment where he wrote like F cancer or something, something cancer. I don't remember what it was. And everyone just started messaging like, what's going on? Why did he say that? Is he okay? Are you okay? And... And he wouldn't answer anyone's calls. So I had to answer everyone's calls <laughs> about them. Like, Oh, great. Yes, yes,
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs> which, which, which was difficult, I'm assuming. Uh, I
2: was like, yeah. You know, it's funny. It was more difficult for the person on the other side of the phone more than me. Like for me, it was just like, yeah, they found out there's something, but you know, we're going to do this. And, I was a right. lot more relaxed than people were like, obviously, like, what do you tell someone if you find out that they had cancer? I know one of my best, best friends, I found out later, had a breakdown. She's like, what does it mean? You know, or is she, what's going to happen? Is she going to die? Is she this? And I didn't know any of this. Like, whenever she talked mm. to me, she was very supportive and fine. And you're going to be okay. Right. But apparently when she talks to my other best friend, she's just like crying Less. all the time yeah. so it it was hard for the people around me my dad never cries I've only seen him cry once and that was when his brother passed away he cried the day that we were in the hospital and the doctor was just telling me like what does it mean to have um, thyroid cancer and what we're gonna do and all that so right. that was hard to see as well but chemo like he's very supportive Chemo's very very supportive he, like, like I told you, doesn't like to go to that hospital, but obviously, he tried to put all that behind him and right. you know, he'd be there. I'm sure it was not easy for him to step back into the hospital. Like, what he went through before was devastating. Like, I don't even have a word for it. Um, mm. but he's extremely supportive, and you need that. You need someone that understands how you take things so he knows that I don't like to talk about being sick and I'm don't call me sick, don't say I'm sick. In any way, don't give me that, you know, cancerous smile. You know, like, oh, are you okay? And I I don't like that. Let's talk about everyday life, normal things. You know, did you get the, I don't know, tea, the sugar, the whatever. So that's exactly what he did. And he made sure that if anyone's going to talk to me, they never talk to me with the whole, you know, are you okay kind of voice and is everything fine? So yeah, that's, I'd say he's always very supportive. Yeah. He's cute as well. That is, <laughs> I that helps. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> that helps. Kiwo is a um, cute guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But that is important when you talk about like um, just showing that emotion and 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 crying. You know, sometimes how you know therapeutic and stuff that that can be. That I think especially on the person I watched this with my stepmom too, is like, you know, she kind of the same thing felt like it was easy to talk to people about it. or You kind of put on that brave face and you're able to communicate about it and everything. And then it kind of just, yeah, spirals into like you're just constantly putting on this brave face, but you don't ever actually allow yourself a chance yeah. to kind of just release any of that. Um, and that can build up for a while. And that's just, it's okay. And that was a talk I had to have, you know, like with my dad and like everyone around and just saying like, it's okay if she just wants to like sit there and cry for a minute. Yeah, like just, yeah, no, definitely. You have to just like you know you have to let it happen you know and she'll apologize like for crying and i'm like well if i ever get cancer you guys are gonna sit there and watch me cry i don't care like i am like you have to let some of that out and it has to be okay and it's not a bad thing that you're you know doing that there's just emotions that need to be felt and you know a release that needs to happen and no that's that's very true you have to
2: yeah you uh, have to you have to have that moment and it's not wrong like you said some people think it's wrong to cry in front of other people, I don't find it wrong. I just don't.
0: I've never seen you cry. Yeah, I mean, I've known you for a very, long, very long time. I've never seen you cry. In fact, your mother, I've never seen her That's cry either.
2: I, I would hit you if I see you rather than just cry. <laughs>
0: so
2: I would release my emotions in a different you way. You make me angry, not <laughs> sad. yeah
0: <laughs> no, it's funny when I went to visit her at the hospital because I, I mean personally, like I, I, I'm horrible with hospitals and everything, emotion in general. But mm-hmm. I remember walking into the hospital and it was just, it, it was the best greeting I got. She wrote on a piece of paper, <laughs> she wrote like, shut the F up. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and it's just, Still got it. yeah, I was like, all right, this is great. You know, it's, 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 it's an amazing thing. But how did your, how did your mother deal with it? I'm just curious.
2: Oh, my mom's a tough cookie. Like she won't show anything. My mother cleaned the hospital room with dettol wipes. <laughs> that's how my mother dealt with it. And people
1: show love and support in different uh-huh, ways. And that's, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and that's one of them. Yeah. And she's like, I want that space to be clean. And I want, you know, that's...
2: Yep. Yeah, my, my mom gets yep. really scared. Everyone's got a different scared. love language. Yeah, like yeah. She, she gets really scared. Like she was convinced to the last minute that my tonsils are very swollen. And yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> no matter what anyone says, that's what it is. And I'm sure she's going to have a problem with this episode. But maybe <laughs> we'll have to deal with it, not me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. very true. Very That's true. not my problem.
0: So you you kicked cancer's ass, all right? Like, did, alhamdulillah, everything, everything went well. What about post? I mean, how, how, was, how was the recovery process?
2: The beginning is a little tricky because they open your neck and you have that band-aid. And I just kept feeling like my neck's going to snap or like open up and my head's gonna snap backwards i don't know why i had that image okay
0: that's a very good image that's a very good way of describing it for all the listeners And they
2: they tell you when you when you um you have to wait two weeks first two to three weeks no no actually three weeks or a month before you start working out properly you can't carry weights you can't um do certain machines you can't run Okay. it has to be a very light workout you can't do sit-ups or crunches or anything like that where you're Were you really string. active
1: before surgery
2: okay i have to be honest i hate working out. <laughs> okay yeah Fair. i yeah. do it because i have to do it but i really right. don't like working out it's one of the reasons when Mehdi told me you know can you come and talk on the podcast and i was like but they're all like people that love working out and you know crossfitters i don't fit in there um but what what type of style do you
1: enjoy is it the lifting weights is it the moving fast is it the what is the what
2: do you hate about it just all of it (laughs) just everything (laughs) i even tried getting pink weights to make it more appealing for me just (laughs)
3: oh my gosh
2: like i prefer pilates yoga okay yeah, these things. But I mean, I like the feeling I get after I work out. Like once I'm done, sure. right. I feel right. really good. And you know, I did this and it feels great, especially when you work out early in the morning for going yep. to work. It's the best feeling. But and that's why I got a trainer that comes to the house because I know I'm never going to drive to somewhere.
1: Getting there is hard sometimes. But, yeah. yeah,
2: it's just yeah. not going to happen. No. I was too embarrassed to have the trainer knock on the door and no one opens the door i don't want to be rude and that's why i would wake up in the morning and train with her um and we started off really slow like we just do very basic things yeah um nothing to strain my neck and whenever i'd go check with the doctor you know they'd see if the scar is healing or you know uh if if it's not the stitches whatever it is and we she started to increase very slowly the intensity of my workout we started with very light weights even though before the operation i was doing i don't know like i was car- okay just to make it clear again i know everyone that's come on the show carries like
0: <laughs> 116
2: <laughs> kilos or like i don't oh stop we're
0: not no, that's we're <laughs> not yeah Minus
1: yeah five.
2: yeah you <laughs> Five kilos is great for me. Like that's fantastic. Right. Look
0: at the end of the day, you do you do you. You know, that's that's the important thing that you you saw it as a point to move, get some movement in, get some exercise yeah. in, and that's that's you. Not everybody. It's not a prescription thing, you know. So Just you don't have that to that. Five
2: kilos is still a lot for some people. So, you know, whoever's yeah. hearing this right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> needs to know. You gotta that. start somewhere and yeah.
2: Some people, maybe people
1: don't even start at five. That's fine. Yeah. Your body weight can be enough of a resistance. They might time.
2: start at half a kilo. I mean, not not <laughs> that I did, but I'm just saying that maybe someone else did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but she was I was very reluctant to do weights because I always thought if you start lifting weights, then that means your body's going to look like Madonna and I don't like Madonna's body. So that's kind of the connection that I had. And you gain weight as well. And my trainer kept telling me that that's something she struggles with in Kuwait because a lot of women won't let her include weights in their program. Because of that fear. Because of the fear that they're going to gain weight. And she tries to explain that weightlifting doesn't have to do with gaining weight. Right. So that's something she she said she really struggles with explaining and for them to believe her about that. Uh, and they always end up just doing all these diets, these different diets. I think like, we got to
0: get your trainer on this she, show too. <laughs> she's,
1: you get yeah, way she's more great. benefit out of strength training than just doing cardio or restricting yourself. I learned diet that.
2: Or, yeah, yep, I, yep. I came to learn that. I didn't, I was very reluctant, but then I saw the results and I was like, hey, you know, like, this is much better than what I used to do, uh, which right. was just cardio, basically. And yeah, no, she, she was, she was fantastic. And I felt healthy. I felt okay. I don't know if it's psychological. Like, I don't know if maybe in the beginning I should have felt a little bit more tired after my operation, but it's, I kept pushing myself, say like, no, you're, you know, you're working out. At least you're doing this. At least you're doing that. And that just helped me, I guess recover faster because right. they did switch my medication many times and they'd ask me like are you feeling tired do you sleep a lot do you feel that your legs are numb do you feel that your hands are numb and wow. like i'd snap but i didn't know if i'm napping cuz i like napping or because <laughs> it's you know there's that's something really wrong think,
3: yeah.
2: with me <laughs> right um but yeah that's uh that's why i continued to work out afterwards the thing I was scared of doing was getting pregnant. I was right. very scared to get pregnant because I had radioactive, uh, iodine and I just didn't want to harm a baby. And they tell you like, we'll give you the okay. Like once you mm-hmm. can get pregnant again, we'll, we will tell you based on your blood results, like two years later, if it's okay or not. Okay. So I had to wait for that. Um, not that I was really rushing to get pregnant again right. at all. <laughs> <laughs> At all, but yeah that that was very very scary for me. And even getting pregnant this second time was I was very nervous in the beginning because I'm like, what if you know something's wrong with the baby because of me because of what I took because of my medication. A lot of you to just walk, or to
1: work through because like they talk about too like just after being cut open, you just become hyper aware of every little you know signal in your body any little pain, any little, and yeah. you know, anything because you're hyper aware of it now and it was so traumatic of what you had to go through and then having that radioactive and being separated from people for so long and being scared to like, I can't imagine what that, what that was like in thinking about carrying a child inside of you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That, that was, uh, And I had to ask many times and many doctors like, is it okay? Are you sure it's okay? And I read online like all these different stories, you know, like I had thyroid cancer and now I have three beautiful boys or, you know, I had thyroid cancer and I have two. And and because I work with kids with special needs, you know, you're very nervous as well because like, for example, autism, like there's no reason for it. So you don't know, like, you don't know what what to expect or what you're getting into. I mean… It's, it's, that was my, my main worry and why, because right. everyone's like, why'd you wait so long to get a kid? Well, I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> like yeah. I had to wait and yeah. then I had to wait for. You gotta be ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and doctors here sometimes don't say things in the nicest way. Their intentions are good. Very true. Great.
0: That's very true.
2: And there is honestly like some of the best doctors in Kuwait. I have to I have to say that because we always talk about how the hospitals are bad. I don't know what is bad. There is some great doctors. We have some of
0: the best in the world. I mean, yeah, Yeah, yeah.
2: great. Like when they in the States, when they saw my operation, when they saw the the way that the reports were written, they were like, oh, this is, you know. It's one of the best reports we've seen, the way that it's written out. That's the, great to hear. Yeah. yeah so I, I do have to acknowledge that because we always just look at the bad part and the negative. Right. And,
0: well, when push comes right. to shove, our doctors do go to some of the best universities yeah. in the world and yeah, they yeah, learn they from the best in the world. I mean, DJ's doctor, you know, my son's doctor, when he was, he was operated on at nine days old and Till this day, well, the one compliment we always get when the, we tell people he had pyloric stenosis, they're like, wow, you know, mashallah, the, the scar is really small because they did a good job here. And the doctors here, the specialists, when you get to go to the actual specialist at the specialist hospital, they're excellent. Some yeah, of yeah, them are great. excellent.
2: They are great. And, and yet, yeah, if you do get diagnosed with thyroid cancer, don't look at the pictures of scars online because they're horrible. Right. They're very right. scary and they're yeah. huge. It doesn't look like that anymore. But you don't it, have
1: a scar. I can't. I can't see.
2: It's. It's not like. Hallelujah. Mine is yeah. not that bad. Yeah. But people that have had thyroid cancer, right away, it's like we recognize each other. You just kind of go <laughs> <Okay>. like, "Oh, <laughs> I see your scar," and I'm like, "Oh my god, do you have one too?" You know, and yeah, that's like it's. People don't ask unless they've gone through it. Or some people right. kind of go like, what's wrong with your neck? <laughs> <laughs> nothing.
1: <laughs> Next time now. Thanks.
2: <laughs> I'm quite blunt. So I just go like, oh, thyroid cancer, nothing big. Anyways, let's go on with this. Yeah.
0: Well, just to kind of wrap up real quick, what public service message would you give people right now in terms of you know looking out for something as thyroid cancer or just something weird in general?
2: If you feel something on your neck... If something feels weird, don't wait. Because yeah. I waited and I got lucky that I was able to remove it. But I've spoken to some people that have waited and it spread to their lymph nodes and it got a lot more complicated. And some doctors here didn't want to operate because it was a lot more complicated. So the minute that you feel something, you're not going to lose anything by going straight to a doctor and just checking, you know, is this okay or, or not? It's better than waiting it and then, then, you know, you hear like some bad news. So definitely get yourself checked. It feels exactly like a ball in your neck. It's not, if it hurts, it's good. Always remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's
0: ever good if you have like a lump in your neck. If it hurts,
2: it's fine. Are there
1: there some like testing, like whether it's like a, you know, a, a blood test of some kind that people can go in to see like risk factors or, you know, are you aware of anything like that of like, hormone testing or something that people can...
2: They usually can to- just, if you go to an ENT, he usually just te- actually checks with his hands. He mm-hmm. stands behind you and then he starts to like press on your neck. Uh okay. And that's how they usually check. Even my checkups, that's the first thing they do. And they do a blood test. Uh, they see if your... What is it? It's the TSH is what they check for each time to adjust your medication. There is right. a t4 or tg or i'm sure if some doctors are listening they know what it is but they t4 yeah they check if that's high in your body or not and that gives them an indication that something is wrong that's their way of seeing if there's any cancer cells because that test i need to do once a year still okay and that gives them an, an indication of okay no we we need to do something or no you're safe you're good to go. You're still yeah. clear. Wow.
0: Wow. So what are your, you know, since we're called the Project Kuwait, we always ask this question at the end of an episode. Meg, you want to do the honors?
1: What is your current project? <laughs> what are you working on? What am I working on? Um, mm. What have you been working on for the last nine months? Not <laughs> 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 oh, nothing, I'm the just a baby. <laughs> just making a
2: life, that's all. I'm just, you know... <laughs> Creating a human. That's all. <laughs> um, I've I've been consulting, so I am a behavior analyst. I'm a certif- uh, board certified behavior analyst, and I do online consultations. So I do teletherapy. If I'm oh, nice. if I'm in Kuwait, I actually do go to the house and kind of see clients. And what I try to do is I try to help them know what services are available for them, what services they should be looking for. I've learned that a lot of people are kind of get lost when their kid gets diagnosed and they're not sure, you know, like, what's the next step? Where do I go? And they don't have anyone to really ask or they get told, you know, okay, you have to do this, 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 this. And it's not accurate. Yeah, it's it's very overwhelming and it's not very accurate as well. Like it, it's not a, a specialist that has told them this, you know, it's a friend or it's, A speech therapist, but she told them to do something like uh, ABA or OT, but it's not her area. Like it's they don't have someone to talk to basically and get an opinion of somebody that's not affiliated with a specific center, a specific school
1: unbiased opinion and yeah. exactly
2: so what i try to do is um for example i get clients that go like okay so my kid just got diagnosed or my child is four but he's still not speaking what do i do so i've really i really enjoy it because i feel like i've helped a lot of families and it's uh i love it I-, I love what i do i do aba sessions as well on the side but not as much since i've started this Okay, and it's hard to right. find ABA therapists in Kuwait.
0: That's true. We had Esma and she was talking about that. Yeah. She was talking yeah. about that. Yeah, she's
2: so, phenomenal. She phenomenal. really, she
0: she really is. Yeah. So, how can people get in touch with you if uh, if you're open to that?
2: You can contact me on my Instagram, which is at seven a l a m a h r o u s
0: i'll add that i'll add that to the show notes <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put that in the show notes
2: so you can contact you can dm me you can whatsapp me and then we set up an appointment and we take it from there and we amazing see.
3: wow that's,
1: that's amazing work good for you
2: thank you thanks and thank
1: you for and good luck me. <laughs> yeah and good luck what's your due date you've got one month
2: to go here no, no. <laughs> I am not not like supposed days. to be on bed rest right now because oh my gosh. she might pop oh my gosh. <laughs> but I came and I'm yeah. sitting. I'm sitting, mom. I'm sitting. I'm not moving. <laughs> anytime means, now. Anytime. Well,
0: thank, thank you, Hella. Thank you very much for sharing your experience. Yeah, we thank really,
2: you so much for sharing with us. Thank you.
0: <laughs>
2: back on the block. <laughs> I'm not used to talking to him nicely, so this is really hard for me.
3: Uh, <laughs> All right, we're going to end it right there.
0: Show. All right, thanks, Helen.
2: <laughs> thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.